people we're back again uh we did a special early more early morning for me stream we interviewed janani rashandaran running for california state assembly early in the morning and then we went off on our take on electoral politics for <laughs> another half hour so let me bring in my partner in all this madness you may know him as a fiery Haitian gentleman. I know him as just my best, my best friend, my best Haitian friend, Pascal Robert. Peace and greetings to the chat. Peace and greetings to Jason Miles. Peace and greetings to the audience. What's good? What's good, my people? And coming all the way from somewhere deep in the bowels of British Columbia. Not on the cool side of British Columbia, like way over where you got to cross the border in the middle of nowhere, Montana, is our very good friend, Foreign Policy Thursday homeboy, the Cuba. Cuba I noticed there were peace and greetings for me. There you go. <laughs> Cuba, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. The um, it's um, this topic today is um, an important one, and I'm really glad to be here. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited for this topic because look, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a trailer to the movie. I didn't even have to make a video today. You know why? Because our guest fucking makes videos for a living, and I was in the middle of about to make a video. I was like, why the fuck would I make a video for this motherfucker? Must some bitch made a whole goddamn documentary. I ain't doing the work today. Fuck that. So I watched this movie because you know how uh, Amazon will tell you like, oh, you should watch this. This is suggested, suggested. And it kept coming up. And I was like, I'll watch it. I didn't know what it was about the first time I watched it. And I watched it and it fucked me up. And I went to, to my girl, Jessica. I was like, do you know they just be snatching up old people? Like just snatching them up. And so then Netflix drops this movie, I Care A Lot. And I'm like, oh, I think this is based on this documentary. And I watched that and yelled at the TV the entire time because it really glosses over how horrifying what we're going to talk about is. And I will, and I will just lay the groundwork real quick before I play this trailer. Over the next 25 years or so, the baby boomer generation is looking at one of the largest, maybe the largest wealth transfer we've ever seen. Google wealth transfer baby boomer and tell me how many articles come up from financial magazines because everybody wants to get their hands on this between 30, some estimates are $70 trillion. <clears throat> and this story just kind of, I was like, fuck, man, this is so frightening. So I'm, let's play the trailer. Got it all. Look at that. Look at that. All synced up, ready to go. If you are considering retiring here and you're an elderly, wealthy person, think twice. I spoke to my mom on Thursday and she was fine. I called her on Friday and there was nobody picking up. Somebody took my parents. It's not supposed to happen in America. I was fighting them back and he was fighting me. They grabbed me and they kept telling me to love it there. I asked them where I was. You're on the sixth floor in a psych ward. <laughs> no! You can't People go in, corpses come out. 
A guardian is appointed through the courts to have authority over someone's life. You turn over immediately your bank account, checking account, savings account. They're using senior citizens as the key to the money. We have nothing left. There are relationships between the doctors, the lawyers, the private guardian industry, and the court. I am was victimized based on an incorrect diagnosis by an unqualified person. They were trying to convince us nothing to see here. I mean, and that raises red flags for any investigative journalist. We've got to keep the light shining on the people that are being taken. I cannot do this. I cannot let these people get away with everything. It needs a master investigation. What you saw there was the trailer for the documentary, The Guardians. You can find it on Amazon here in the States. Apparently, you can't find it <laughs> in Canada, as Kuba found out. They, they made me watch ads. <laughs> That's how I had to watch it, too. Well, let me bring in our guest today. I'm actually very excited for this. So, so real quick. I watched the movie again because I fucking watched the Netflix version, which was like some girl boss shit wrapped in American exceptionalism, wrapped in some yay capitalism shit. I watched Billy's movie again, and at like 1 a.m. my time, I go look for his email address, find it, send him an email, and the motherfucker responded. And that's when he fucked up because he agreed to come on the show. Please welcome... Billy Mintz. Yes, yes. Billy Mintz in the uh, place to be. You wouldn't believe how many people that Jason has to kidnap and has got a gunpoint off camera in order to get the applause just right. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, Billy, I want to cut to the yeah. chase, man, because your work is so good. All right. I mean, there's so much content here, brother. I mean, it's too rich. It's it's, it's a target-rich environment. First of all, on a simple note, right? You are Canadian originally, right? What sparked you to investigate the Guardian system in the United States, particularly in Vegas, Nevada? What was the spark behind that initially? Uh, okay, so when you say spark, is that like you want a quick... Like, no, I was like, what was, what was the, it can be a long story. It can be a short story. What was All the right. thing that made you say, yo, this is some effed up stuff. Why I need to check this out. All right, let's go further back. So I was uh, making a film where I was investigating Jesus and, uh, his war crimes or did you nail him? <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. Because I grew up as a Jew in Toronto, and I was meeting nonstop born-again Christians who were having this unbelievable, extraordinary experience with God. And I was like, hey, you know, I kind of grew up being uh, told other things about Jesus. And so I was very curious. And uh, so I went on, a, like uh, I said, I said, Jesus, like, uh, whether you exist or not, I'm going to give you 40 days in a me. And I'm going to document the whole thing and let's see what happens. So that's a whole other story. But at the end of it, I found myself in a situation where I was like, okay, Jesus, what's my next movie? What am I going to do? Give me that answer. And immediately uh, the answer came, go to Belgrade. So I flew to Serbia and within five minutes of uh, showing up in Serbia, I met this man. His name is John Bosnich. He's famous for freeing Bobby Fischer uh, from the United States and getting him to, uh, to Iceland, uh, where he spent the rest of his life. Uh, he was uh, being incarcerated in Japan. Bobby Fischer was being the, the chess guy was being incarcerated in Japan, extradited to USA. John Bosnich takes this guy and gets him out of there. So I go, I meet John Bosnich within five minutes of being there. And I told him the story that I told you that I asked Jesus uh, where my next story is. He said, go to Belgrade and here I am. And, and he was like, huh, that's really interesting. And then he 
got this guy on uh it wasn't zoom at the time it was and it was this old man who lived in the south of france and he uh he said uh this guy's uh looking for a story and they both started laughing and john said open up my cupboard and we were in his office and i opened up his cupboard and there was like everything you need to make a movie uh like the best gear everything that i could possibly need and he said we've been looking for a director and so i went to the south of france with all the gear and this guy was a um a victim his parents were a victim of this thing called guardianship that i'd never heard of before and i couldn't believe it and so i started filming i did some investigating and i found that the um the hub the center of all of this shenanigans was uh happening in las vegas so i i uh flew to las vegas got an apartment and started working and i was there for four wow. years all right to, to make it simple for our audience who have not yet seen the documentary explain to us and i, I mean i as someone who practiced law in family court i know what guardianship is explain to our audience what is guardianship and what is the controversy that you expose about guardianship particularly in Las Vegas. Okay, well, guardianship is actually probably a pretty good system if it's used properly, which is people get to a certain age and they can't take care of themselves, whether they're indigent or uh, or they're just like incapacitated in some way, they need somebody to take care of them. And sometimes it's a family member, etc. But what is going on is that uh, you have these for-profit guardians and again there's nothing wrong with a guardian who works for money but these people are actually criminals that are and they're not criminals because what they're doing is legal because they legal. set yeah what they're doing is legal and uh and they are, are basically using the family court system uh they have a criminal conspiracy running through these family court systems everybody's involved the judge is in on it the uh, that's speculative uh, but the lawyers are in on it, the guardians are in it, the healthcare professionals are in it, and they basically entrap elderly people, even mostly people who are not incapacitated, and they use fake diagnoses of dementia in order to legally kidnap them and uh, isolate them from their family. They get full control over their money and their, their person. They isolate them, they medicate them, and they steal their estate. And it's a full on, as you said, it's a multi $77 trillion uh, wealth transfer that's about to happen. And there are these really scrupulous people that once you get involved in this, you cannot get out. And there is no way to protect yourself. It is happening. And unless we change the laws and we get law enforcement, you're fucked. And, and, and I'd like to add, I'd like to add to that, that um, part of it. That is really hard to convey, and I don't think a lot of people understand, is that the hardest thing to do is tell someone you're not crazy when someone's already said you're crazy. My, Don't ever try to tell someone you're not crazy when they said you're crazy, because it just makes you sound crazy. You have no I'm, I'm going to up that. Go ahead. I'm going to up that. Go ahead. Who are you going to tell that you're crazy to? You're not crazy to. The people mm. that you're telling you're not crazy to are in on it. They're part mm. of the conspiracy. So they know you're not crazy. So I get what you're saying, but what you're saying is a little naive because I'm not crazy. They know you're not crazy because they're the ones who are doing this to you. So you go get a lawyer. To help you, the lawyers in on it because they're making money off it. So they'll take you on and they'll take your money and they'll feed you to the wolves because they're the wolf themselves. God, let's let's talk about the step by step because I think this is very important. Because one of the things that I loved about your documentary, you demonstrate the actual beginning, the legal process of how this this goes about. I'm going to create a scenario, and you jump in if I'm wrong. Say you have your mommy or your grandmama, all right, who are senior citizens. They go to their neurologist, and the neurologist is not there, but there's a physician's assistant in the office. 
the physician's assistant already has a relationship with a private guardian. I'm not even saying they're getting kickbacks. We're not even going there yet. But they have some kind of relationship. He sees that, based on his opinion, your mom or your grandmama isn't able to take care of themselves anymore. He's not a neurologist. He's just a physician's assistant. Based on his opinion with the guardian, the private guardian that he already has a relationship with, he writes what is in the law we would consider an affidavit or a testimony to say that your mama or your grandmama can't take care of themselves anymore because of X, Y, Z, the way they're walking. Or they walked in, they came in, it didn't smell like they had a shower. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. When you say the letter is to your mama, you're insinuating that these people know that this is going on, and they don't. So They don't write the letter to your mama. They're writing about your mama and your grandmama. Yeah, I just want to make be clear because you're saying your mama. There's no your. It's this person's mama because all this stuff happens without the mama knowing, without the son knowing. It's all happening in a court of law that nobody knows about, and there's so no due person, process. Right. This person's mother or grandmother is being stated by this physician's assistant, who's not even a neurologist, that he believes, because of XYZ reason, that the mother or grandmother in question should be put under guardianship. And, and he they sends send that. This, this testimony. They send that to the guardian. To the, the and family. they send this not to, to you, not to your mama, not to your grandma, they send that to the guardian that they already have a relationship with. The guardian then takes that letter and files a legal petition. For those who don't know, a petition is a commencement of a legal action. So they file a petition in the state family court saying, we need to take your the mother or grandmother because the physician's assistant tells us that a, B, C, D, E, F, G, et cetera, et cetera. And what's supposed to happen is that the court is supposed to send you by certified mail or your mother or your grandmother a notice of this petition, and you're supposed to be given time. In most states, I'm in Florida, they give you 20 days. You're given X number of days to respond to fight against that petition. Temporary guardianship. Right, right, for temporary guardianship. What you excellently demonstrate in your documentary is that there are examples when the state makes sure that you won't even get the petition to know that your mother or grandmother is going to be put under temporary guardianship, which means legally for those that understand that if you don't respond in those 20 days, you get a default judgment and the judge automatically says, the petitioner wins and they can take your mother. And your documentary is literally about explaining how this happens to thousands and thousands of people. People that had money to this. This wasn't a bunch of uh, extremely poor people. This also doesn't happen to poor people. Thank it you. doesn't happen to poor people. That was another thing that kind of it's blew a, me away. The people that were fighting back were people that had lawyers that could afford to fight back and say, I'm going to take some time off work because we got to make sure that we keep Nana out of the goddamn old folks' home. And these motherfuckers well, were still losing. Well, they wouldn't do it if they didn't have money because the crime, what they're doing is they're just doing legal fees. They're draining the estate with their legal fees. And... We're talking $600 an hour legal fees, both lawyers fighting for it. They're both in on it. You're just caught in between this game. So there's a different scam to monetize the indigent. Right. Well, this it's is not even monetizing money. the indigent. <laughs> it's monetizing middle class senior citizens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that's fascinating about the documentary is that these are people, some of them have assets in real estate and stocks and bonds in excess of $350,000, $400,000. These aren't exactly poor and indigent people. And you see these people get abused in the documentary in live time, discussing how they were shipped to mental facilities or they were shipped to nursing homes, how they were abused some physically, how they were felt like and, they were going to die there alone. 
and that process, incidentally, um, seems almost designed to make sure that a person who comes in fully cognizant and capable comes out as mentally weak and um, exhausted as possible. So you can kind of retroactively demonstrate incapacity. The, the, oh, yeah, they the drug them. Exactly. The they drugs drug them. for me were horrific. They put them in psych wards. If you fight back, you get put in a psych ward. Everybody's in on it. You get caught in a system. I get about 15 emails and phone calls a week of people who watch my film and call me literally in capital letters asking for help because they have nowhere else to go. And what is so fascinating about your effective documentary, which I believe helped get some of these criminals incarcerated without a doubt, well, at least not, not incarcerated, but the under indictment, if you will, is that the, no? They the got us right. Forty years. Forty years. Oh, they put her under the jail. Oh, yeah. some of them are under yeah. the But in real time, your documentary admits that it's still going on, even after oh, the incarceration. Yeah, yeah. In the same Especially town. Especially in Vegas. Yeah, in yeah. Vegas. Yeah, nobody. That was a, that was a pawn. They just April Parks was just one of their pawns. That was a low bearing fruit she was just an idiot so she was they were able to like yeah they gave her they gave her up i mean she was an asshole and she deserves everything coming to her uh and more but uh but yeah no the culprits are still totally at large what's the name of the guy the real degenerate schaefer schaefer Schaefer. Schaefer. and i just just want to add what really go ahead Tell us about, give us your narration of Schaefer, who the Schaefer <laughs> character is, please. Well, he's a, he was the public guardian. So he was the person who created this whole, there are some people that believe that he's the person that actually created the whole guardianship scheme. Everybody, it's called the Guardian's Playbook, and everybody's using it across the uh, country. And uh, there's also a belief that uh, his first victim was Howard Hughes. And that's where he designed wow. it, uh, because, you know, we know stories of Howard Hughes, who was locked in his hotel room and they couldn't get out. That was uh, allegedly that was uh, Jared Schaefer doing that. So uh, he created the laws that enabled all of this uh, system to uh, be created. And uh, all the people that are doing this were people that, that at one uh, point worked for him. Your um, just a, a question here. Um, your documentary is excellent at showing how the system works in Clark County, how it's been designed um, operationally, legally, and through this network of relationships. Like you said, everybody's in on it uh, in order to extract as much as possible from these elderly middle class people. Um, to what extent? Is this a problem elsewhere? Are there a million Jared Schaefer's who created um, similar systems everywhere? Are there some places where guardianship is better or there's different systems that offer more protection? Uh, How prevalent is this outside of Clark County? It's happening everywhere. Uh, There are some very, very hot zone states where mostly we're like retirement states where elderly people are, Uh, Arizona, Florida, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, these are just Colorado. These are just some of the cases that I, I, I deal with on a daily basis. Uh, and it's the same thing everywhere. And there are entrapped people as we speak. I, I deal one guy I deal with, he's totally capacity. He's, he's at total capacity. He's a, totally there and he's, he's stuck and he's even, he's in his sixties and he's just stuck. This is incredible. So what you're saying is that this is not even something that's exclusively endemic to Las Vegas, but is a national phenomenon in places that are infamous for retirement hotspots. Nowhere for these people to go. There's nothing set up. There are very few of us who are uh, advocating on behalf of these people and who know what's going on. And uh, and even we're not a very effective we can help uh we can help them get organized 
but what it, well, there's not really not much we can do. Uh, unfortunately, by the time people get to me, they've already spent millions or up to millions of dollars with lawyers. And so they're tapped out and without the financial uh, resources, there's nothing we can do. Jason, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah. One of the things, you know, that you guys were talking about that, uh, oh man, I kind of forgot my, I lost my train of thought because I'm, I'm also working this, this chat as well. Um, but what really kind of irritated me in the, in the Netflix movie, I care a lot is that the main character who they totally modeled after April, what's her name in Vegas, April Park. April Parks. They just made her a little more attractive version. <laughs> is such a horrible villain in real life. And in the movie, it's less villain and more like, well, this is just uh, a tough go-getter. And she's really smart. And it's a man's world. I mean, that was another part of the movie that really was, was so frustrating watching it is that the men in it were just kind of these bumbling misogynists that couldn't get out of their own misogynistic way and when you watch your documentary that's kind of not the case at all and the people that are in on it from it felt like it felt like and I know you, you probably can't say it was from the judge on down and there's a scene that I know I know Kuba and Pascal probably have something to say about it where the private citizen the guardian tells the judge, all right, now you got to get everybody out of the courtroom. Yeah, that yeah. was Schaefer. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. Who told, the, um, who had the Schaefer, who was kind of like the godfather of the whole scheme of uh, guardianship in, this, in, the, in the county, during a court procedure, tells the judge, all right, you got to clear out the court. Orders the judge. Orders the judge, basically. <laughs> And the judge acquiesces and said, okay, everybody out except... He goes, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. He goes, you, you stay. No, I'm going to need you. And I was like, you just punked the shit out of the judge. And that, if I'm in court right there, I'm frightened. Yeah. It, it's... it. The mask is off and we know where the power lies. Like, you made a horror... Like, this is why I got so... Again, why I got so mad at that movie and why I don't like LeBron James. Because he was the producer on it. You made a horror film, a horror documentary, and that could have been equally as horrific to really drive the point home of how frightening this situation is, and it wasn't. You missed the point. It almost has a bit of a happy ending at the end of I Care A Lot, and I'll ruin it. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> the the the. The lady accidentally does this scam to a crime boss's mom, and for some reason they can kill everybody, but they can't kill her. And at the very end, the crime boss is like, you know what? You're just too powerful, you and these courts. Let's get into business, and let's just snatch old people up all over the country and, and make this a chain. And that's kind you of You know, there's a, there's a lot of truth. I, I, I'll give you my uh, take on it. First of all, uh, you know, my parents... We, they wait. They were very excited to see this movie, and they were so upset when they saw it. They said it was a terrible movie, and yeah. uh, I, I, you know, because they're personally involved uh, because of my film, and I watched it. It, and uh, you know, I love thoroughly, thoroughly entertained to watch the film that I pitched to Netflix uh, <laughs> at the beginning, uh, which they turned down years before. Um, to be then made. Uh, at, now, Netflix didn't make the movie. Netflix bought it. Mm. Um, but what these guys did for guardianship was what my movie intended to do. That's what my movie was supposed to do. I broke this story, and it was supposed to cause what... It was supposed to do what I Care A Lot did. So I was very happy that I Care A Lot did this because in the end... I, uh, you know, I'm an advocate and I, I want this issue to be out there. Um, so I, I was thoroughly pleased with it. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Peter Dinklage and uh, I thought his character was modeled after me. 
So I was, you know, <laughs> I can't, I act as good as him, but I was like, that's, I'm that badass. That's the badass. These, like, these guys, I don't think, these guys haven't seen the Netflix movie. Oh, yeah. um, you haven't seen it, right, Kuba? The Netflix movie I care a lot. Well, I mean, now I gotta, but no, I haven't. It's Billy, man. You're giving that movie way too. Look, I, you're you are a good a good human. I don't know your favorite color, but I can tell you're a good human, <laughs> and you are being way too good of a human right now. No, because no, that no. Movie, there's many there's many reasons why it was a good movie. You know, and and I speak as an expert on guardianship, and I'll tell you why. Because Peter Dinklage's character, it was so funny that Peter Dinklage here's a crime boss. And he's so incredulous at like, what the fuck is going on here? His outrage is kind of hilarious because he's a Russian mafia boss. And he's outraged at this, which I thought was really great. Uh, there were problems I had with it. I didn't like all the vi men violence on women that was riddled throughout the whole thing. So talk about misogyny. Like there was even more because like the filmmaker was somewhat of a misogynist because he really enjoyed watching women suffer. Was it a movie. he? And I thought it was the same person that did Gone Girl. No, it was I, I, it was it was a man. The uh, the director was a was a no no. I'm talking about the director. Yeah, was it was that a woman? I thought it was a woman that did Gone Girl. No no I no. no, no. Gone Girl. Roseman Pike. Roseman Pike is in Gone Girl, and she's in. Uh, I know she's and, in this, but I thought I, okay. I'm wrong. Then I thought it was the same. I thought it was the same uh, uh, film. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're getting into the weeds. Yeah. But but what what I what I want to say is that the first 20 minutes of that film was dead on. Looks like it was pretty much yeah. taken from yeah. from uh, my yeah. film. And and if I if it was, who knows. Uh, you know, the thing about uh, ideas is that ideas get into the collective unconscious and whoever grabs, they come to different artists and whoever grabs them first. So it doesn't necessarily mean another artist ripped off another artist. It just means we got the ideas at the same time. So, uh, so you know, I, I, I thought it was good. The one thing I didn't like is that we then started rooting for the bad guy, for the yeah. April Parks character. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I was like, this is challenging me, but I kind of like to be challenged as a storyteller. It, so I didn't like it, and they couldn't kill her. Like she was, she was. It was too much superhero bullshit. Yeah, it was I mean, a black comedy. It was black I, I, comedy. I, I'll say this much, and I don't know if you know the story of Judas Priest, the the rock band. The band, tell me. Uh, so Judas Priest had a singer named Rob, has a singer named Rob Halford, who came out in the '90s as being homosexual, which in the heavy metal world was kind of a no-no. And he was having uh, an issue with it and not so much the band. Of course, they knew and he was having some other issues and he left. He left the band and uh, did some other stuff. And the band was stuck with looking for a singer. And they literally went and found a guy that was in a Judas Priest tribute band and they hired him to be in their band. That man then lost his job when the original singer Rob Halford came back. And he wrote a, a Hollywood screenplay. He wrote a book. And then he wrote a screenplay. And he was trying to pitch it. Like, hey, I have this story I think is interesting. And it floated around and floated around. And apparently just enough was changed in it. And you get Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. He never got a dime. Good old Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, wait. Was that right? Wait, wasn't that Tom Cruise? No, that was, that was a Mark Mark Wahlberg and uh, what's the uh, that's another one? That's a, he, he was in another one. I yeah, that that that's this the story of Tim Ripper Owens who uh, filled in for Judas Priest for a few years. They changed just enough, and that's what I, I was watching that movie. I was like, I hope Billy got a check. <laughs> you know what? I am. If I had anything to do with it, I am glad to have inspired that film because what it did for awareness on around guardianship was amazing. And that's, that's all I care about. The, um, so what is the reaction you've been getting from the institutional mechanisms that have been failing senior citizens in this way for so long? Uh, if you've been hearing anything, activists, anyone, what's, what's the, what's the reaction? Well, it's definitely been like a uh, something for people to gather around. It's definitely helped organize a, a, a movement against this because uh, they view people, all advocates all over across the states use the film uh, to educate people. Um, so that it's 
it's been very successful in that. I've had invites from uh, Supreme Courts of different states to mm. come speak to their DAs and their judges about guardianship. So, uh, you know, th there's something I got invited by the FBI to the uh, to DC, to the Ed Edgar Hoover building, uh, where I screened the film to them on dial-up because that's all they got in there. It was literally, <laughs> they're watching the movie on dial-up. And I was like, oh, it explains why we're in this situation. Uh, and have yet, I have yet to do anything about guardianship. And that was like five years ago. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just starting and, and, uh, I care a lot of attention to the film as well. So very happy for that. One thing I want to ask is one, one follow-up question and I'm going to let you go kill what, yeah. One question that perturbed me during the whole show is, and I asked this, maybe you can answer it. Why didn't they seek to take the legal procedures to federal court, either either vis-a-vis -vis the pro the property disputes, the the amount of wealth that was being handled? Why weren't wasn't there more of an attempt to seek a method to take this issue out of state court and take it into federal court, or was that avenue just not possible? I think that's a great question and I'm not a legal expert. And what I will say is that uh, states want to keep their problems within state. They do not want uh, attention from uh, federal. That's my layman understanding of this issue is there is no federal inquiry into this. And in fact, there is very few times outside of my film, uh, a state inquiry. The fact that the attorney general was involved in this case is very huge because the, the the truth is is that this crime goes all the way up the ladder. We're talking it's a, a trillion dollar uh, mafia. Um, you know, a lot of uh, incentives for no this. The problem is, is that the FBI, the law enforcement say it's civil issue. And the civil issue is run by the family courts. And these are kangaroo courts. They're not, it's not true justice that's happening in these court systems. They're run by usually elected or appointed officials uh, that are easily either, the, 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 the real question is, are the judges in on it or are they stupid? And <laughs> it, that's, that's the real, that's both. what it all, it, uh, it could be. And it all comes down to that. And I care a lot shows him a, a stupid judge. Stupid um, judge. Yeah, it does. But yeah. uh, but that's a characterization of, of the problem, which is a lot deeper of like, really, it comes down to in my film, you can see that uh, the judge has pre written guardianship orders. They're already written. And in a lot of these judges, they have a, a thing. They just fill it out. All the wordings there. And it, it's literally just a franchised opportunity. This is a judicial mafia. That it's a corp, it's a uh, it's a criminal conspiracy running through court systems. They have taken over our legal system, and uh, and they literally. I'm going to blow your mind in a second. You probably know this, but this not does not just happen to elderly people. It happens more to children. It's a bigger system with children. All right, and these are people I, I, that come to your door knock on your door, say they got a report that you hit your kid, you let them in, the minute you let them in, you're fucked. They've got your kids already. It's like vampires coming to your door. Jason, how does this mesh into the show we did Tuesday? Uh, what did we do Tuesday? Sorry. Khadijah with the uh, AI. Oh, AI. The AI and child. AI and its role in Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Everybody that's listening to the show thinks I'm a fucking airhead now, too. Uh... You know, I, I so here's the thing. So I read the comments and I need to stop reading the comments. And I read a lot of the comments on the trailer, on Billy's trailer for uh, for the Guardians. And a lot of the comments are about Britney Spears. And I don't know if you guys know this. Mm. Britney Spears is held up. There's a whole guardianship with her father right now that is so big. It was a documentary. It's actually kind of an interesting documentary. It's like five documentaries coming out on that right now. It's huge. no shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, so but the Guardians is like uh, it's like the poster boy film for the whole free Britney movement. I'm in touch with all of them. I've been helping them out and 
and consulting with them since the beginning. Well, that was the most comments people said, oh, I got here because of the Britney Spears thing. Or there was someone that was talking about Britney Spears that told them about, about your movie, which, again, I think did more than than I care a lot. Uh but the Britney Spears story is, is exactly what he's saying. You know, she actually had breakdowns because she's Britney Spears in front of the paparazzi. So there's your then proof, that's right? evidence. Yeah, there's your evidence. And uh, was it her dad? Her dad, right, is is running everything for her, isn't he, Billy? Um, yeah, right now he's the, he is the conservator, but there's a, a, a trial coming up very, a hearing coming up very soon to try to get him removed. But if this is, the, that's been going on for 12 years. Like this is, this is, she's been under this for 12 years. And, and again, it's like, you know, there's no, uh, we, nobody's ever heard from Brittany about this. So yeah. a lot of this is, uh, you know, fans, um, who have been very, very well and uh, very insightful. Uh, you know, the, the Free Britney movement is the only organized entity out there uh, that is successfully fighting conservatorship because the victims of guardianship that I deal with, most advocates are victims and they're traumatized people that have a, in, in any social justice the good guys have a very hard time organizing themselves. Why these crimes exist is because the bad guys are organized to the tits, excuse my language, and uh, the the good guys just can't get their shit together because they, they, there's tr- serious trauma that they're working through. So go well, on, sorry, well, me... you never get to talk. Yeah, the... <laughs> well, it, I've got two, two really giant points that um, I want to make. So I, I, want to let the conversation organically reach a conclusion but with people this interesting that's not going to happen so i got to jump in the and i think that you're absolutely correct in linking conservatorship with guardianship it's a similar form of abuse it's a similar type of um mechanism but i think that the reason that it happens isn't just a matter of organization but Starting in the 1980s, there was a very strong movement towards uh, basically administration for revenue. Um, And you see it, um, one of the the forms is uh, like predatory ticketing in poor communities where police departments have to raise revenue in order to um, sort of justify their budgets and they have a quota of how much uh, tickets they have to put out. And it just exploded with the privatization of many um, functions that used to belong to the state. Um, I was shocked when I was working in Washington to discover that basically the government doesn't do anything. It just issues contracts to private companies that do what it's supposed to do. And those private companies have profit motives. And when you create, when you bring the profit incentive into things like conservatorship, guardianship, um, law, uh, law enforcement, the, uh, care of, um, you know, asylum seekers and immigrants, um, juvenile detention, like um, child prisons, you create the conditions for tremendous abuse, because there's all of this money that's available, if you can organize a pipeline that will deliver people that um, you'll either get paid by the government to house and look after in the case of private prisons and um, housing and you know immigrant detention centers, or you'll be able to just plunder the people themselves as a guardian or as a conservator. And the fact that these are, uh, when you, it's all supposed to be an efficiency gain based on capitalism and competition and all of this stuff, but these are not market functions. You're not selling widgets. The people that you're looking after are not consumers. You are just finding means of extracting money either from public budgets or from individuals themselves, and that's the source of your profit. So there's this inherent ruthlessness to that system um, when you introduce the profit motive and you create these incentives. The same thing with asset forfeiture. Once the police, we're getting a taste of the money that they seized 
or the assets that they seized, they started seizing as many assets as they could. And that turn really takes off with the rise of sort of libertarian small government notions under Reagan, where everything has to be a profit center. And the other big point that I wanted to make is this is what happens when you have an economy that doesn't make anything anymore. You, the United States is not like Finland where you've got Nokia and trees or Denmark when you've got Lego and herring and you actually have some productive base for your economy that can employ people and that creates wealth. Instead, in the United States, you have all of these different parasitic organizations, be they banks, financial institutions, things like private uh, guardians, law firms that are just looking for money pots to drain. They're not producing anything. They're not building anything. They're just finding ways to reappropriate other people's assets or public assets. It's absolutely predatory and it's pervasive. It's ruined the whole economy. Uh, another major, another similar scandal where everybody was in on it was the robo signing that went with the foreclosures in 2008, where people were losing their homes without any due process because the law firms and the banks um, as well uh, and this middle management sort of private contractor um, title agencies were all colluding to create false paper trails that allowed uh, the foreclosure of homes uh, where in a lot of cases, the um, because the banks had botched the documentation and they had lost things like title or um, chains of, um, of uh, loan transfers, the homeowner should have kept the home. But no, you short circuit the um, legal recourse, you get the judges, you get the um, title officers in on it, you incentivize them with fees, and you can just ride roughshod over um, any individual rights, any property rights. And like, like with uh, guardianship, because this is a civil matter, it is very, very challenging to get law enforcement interested or involved. And instead, you just have this atmosphere, uh, this environment where a lot of people who don't have a tremendous amount of other skills and don't contribute that much can get wealthy very, very quickly just by essentially plundering other people's assets. Yeah, Kuba, you got it great. And uh, I just want to add one thing just to, you know, add on to it is that there is no oversight in any of this stuff. So and when you talk about that they're looking for opportunities, I think we know they've already got the system. Uh, everything is already, they just need, what they're looking for is people to fill in the system. So this system has been going on for each of these things that you brought up from the prison systems to the hospitals to uh, these guardianship cases. The system is in place. Everything works, the economy is set up and now they just need human beings. It's full on the slavery. Pipeline. Yeah, it's full on uh, traffic, human trafficking that they they bring into this system. Uh, you know, the incentives are already there. They're, they're, they're already placed. And then the problem is, is that nobody's looking at this. Nobody's watching these people. Nobody's there's no oversight and there's nobody to go to. So and the the fact that you can make so much money through all of these exploitative industries, these absolutely parasitic industries. And I'd throw in the health insurance companies um, and big, big pharma as well. The means that they can buy the best lawyers and they can make massive campaign contributions. Not only that, but their wealth lets them into the right clubs, the right um, social networks where things are settled by a gentleman's agreement and a handshake rather than a court case, right? There's some crimes that get you handcuffs and there's some crimes that, you know, like at worst get you a, a stern talking to from the other people at the country club. And that creates this elite impunity. And just as with, yeah, there's uh, impunity. with the, with the uh, April um, Park, Park case, Park's case, they found a scapegoat, somebody down on the food chain who had gotten greedy and was really, really egregious in their abuse. But that case, um, you know, uh, it was a Wolfson. Uh, he's a sheriff or a, a warden. Um, uh, the, the DA. Law enforcement. The DA. The DA. 
he um, he promised that there would be further investigations, but the press conference he gave was a victory lap, and it it seemed like it was enough for him. So yeah. that that upper layer, um, the wealth that slushes into political campaigns and into um, elite networks insulates the people who are actually committing these crimes from any kind of hard look because even the justice department right the attorney general is a political appointee um, or an elected official at the state level and they have friends and patrons to answer to and it is very difficult when you have scarce resources as well to challenge entrenched interests when there's a lot more low-hanging fruit to go after. That's it, Washington let's work, let's that work together, Cuba. <laughs> oh, Cuba's a, me fucking, with a, good a fucking man. You need to work. You need to fucking holler at Cuba. I'll, I'll Cuba is the most, is most radical that? deep state deep state agent you can find. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> When they throw that woman under the bus in that movie, and I actually went down as I'm emailing you, right, right, Billy, at night, I'm looking up like, whatever happened to this bitch? And uh, and I find out that they, you know, she's she's under the bus, right? I saw that victory lap, and you guys have to watch the Guardians. Please, everybody here, go watch the Guardians because Billy does this thing. And I and I feel like he does it on purpose. He gets in these rooms with these with these powerful people and does this aw shucks shit with them. That's so <laughs> fucking funny. I was like, either this thing very this Canadian. Yeah, either either he knows like these motherfucking punk ass Americans don't think I'm about that. I'm a I'm a coming there with some Opie Taylor Canadian shit on their ass, and he'd be like, "Oh well, golly gee, Willikers, you think you're gonna prosecute?" <laughs> and he there's this, I, and, I, and I know some of it might be editing, and some of it might just be a real ass shot. The DA is just sitting there like. <laughs> Ass tight. <laughs> like you can hear the ass tighten in, in the room. And, there are and definitely when moments. There I, are know, definitely I moments know you're like, sitting there just fucking. How the getting, hell did I? How the hell did I get in this room? Like, what the hell am I doing in here? Did you guys feel it, Pascal? Did you guys feel the same way that he came with them with this fucking golly, golly gee Willikers, guys? Uh, you got to be nice. You have to be nice to these yeah. guys. You won't get anything. You got to keep the door open. That's like that. That I'm in. That's my science. My expertise is how do you keep the door open and 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 get something from them before they kick you out. Billy, you yeah, are fucking keep them G talking. at that shit. You are a G at that shit because you you went. It wasn't like it was all one interview. These were multiple interviews. And you're literally calling out the fact that you're like, hey, you uh, seem to have all these constituents that literally voted you in the office and. Uh, <laughs> Someone in the chat asked where you can watch the Guardians. Please, I don't know. It's on uh, uh, Amazon. Oh my God, Amazon Prime. You can check it out. In Internet Movie uh, Database TV. CBC Gem in Canada. CBC. Yeah, Gem. you can do CBC Gem on Canada. Yeah, that, that someone's right. Uh, left to see to learn about this. Uh, keep the door open thing. And I'm 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 partially teasing uh, Billy as well. Because you can't walk in the door, you know, trying to mouth mouth the DA and think they're gonna fucking talk to you. Uh, no, you can't do that. At least you can't do that. At least in the daytime. <laughs> you know, listen, I gotta say, I'm really grateful to uh, Wolfson. He was very generous. To he did not have to let us in. Uh, he, he, you know, he he had to. He has to. Somebody has to genuinely want to understand more and get to the bottom of something and feel like they have a good card to to uh to let me in or you're just stupid and <laughs> wolfson is not stupid but the some of these other fuckers uh are definitely stupid and they should have never let me in that you know the problem the, the thing that people don't understand and i don't know if we talk about this i have give a lot of these interviews but to do something like what these people do uh, the, the, these criminals do, you have to be stupid. 
These are mm. not smart people. They're smart at being assholes and being sociopathic, but they're stupid because you're not going to do something like this if you're a smart person. So the great thing about my job is that my adversaries are not smart people. They're just stupid, and I'm way smarter than they are, and the people that I work with are way smarter than they are. They And, and hopefully they're stupid enough to let me, uh, let me in and talk to them. So the low-level stupid types, um, the April Parks of the world, um, are they, is there an awareness, is there a consciousness that what I'm doing is, like, it may be legal, but this is obviously abusive, um, and I'm getting away with something really bad? Or do you think that there's enough self-deception so that they, they believe what they're saying when they're justifying themselves? I think the, the answer to that question is many folds. Uh, first, first of all, there's you tell a lie long and you start to believe it's true. That's the famous Goebbel Hitler, uh, you know, philosophy of, uh, you know, of that. So the, these people just lie. They lie. They lie. A lot of people, a lot of people we know it's part of human nature to lie and to embellish the truth. And if we keep doing it, we, we, we believe it. So that's one thing. Another thing is that I looked into in order to understand, you know, who I was up against was like, into, I had to look into sociopathy and, and what is a sociopath. And there's a, um, a statistic that four out of a hundred people are sociopaths. And so chances are that we, you know, in your life, very close to you, if you know, a hundred people, you're going to know four full blown out sociopaths. And these are not psychopaths. These are sociopaths. These are people who fit in with us that are, that are just normal people that happen not to have like a certain part of their brain, which where the conscience is no empathy and yeah, no empathy. And they know that they don't have empathy. So they're actually bitter about that. So they actually fuck with people. And I think I'm not a psychologist, but I think April Parks is one of those people. I think yeah. she literally thought she was going to keep getting smug. And that's what got her in trouble was that she was thousand dollars for pants. Yeah. Incidentally, um, it's 4% in the general population. But when you look at certain professions or certain they um, all go there. career paths, yeah, lawyers, actors, priests, um, <laughs> the... It, doctors. It's true. The, the numbers, doctors, doctors, surgeons especially. But surgeons, there's a exactly. With the surgeons, you actually want a sociopath because if you're I, I always say a that. Person. Yeah. I always say the, that. I was like, yeah, you want a sociopath to cut open your brain and fix it because, you know, like I want to survive. They can't be the, horrified <laughs> and screaming the whole time, right? Uh, I, 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 I do want to say this to the to the chat as, as time is, is coming to a close. Um, DSA has taken over the Democratic Party in the state legislature in Nevada. It's a Democratic Socialist of America. What are they going to do about this problem? You That's know, it's funny you ask. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because uh, whenever I get confronted with um, like a systemic crime, this, and I start looking into it. The first thing I do, just for this, it's a Republican state or a Democratic state, and uh, just out of curiosity, because I'm not a, a, a political scientist, and you know, I'm, I just have ideas, and it just turns out that um, most of where the crimes are most rampant are in Democratic states. Mm. And I will say this as well. Most of the advocates uh, now I don't really affiliate with a, a certain party. I guess if if we were to believe that Democrats were on the left and Republicans were on the right, then I would be a Democrat because I am a left thinking person. But we don't even know what left is anymore and we don't know what right is anymore. And I will say that most of the people that work alongside me that I find who are other activists are like Trump loving Republicans. Really? And libertarians, libertarians, because they blame the state. Nah. What's that? Libertarians. Libertarians, because they blame the state, the failure of the state. There's a natural coalescence around this issue because they see it as a failure of the state to protect citizens and encouraging this kind of corruption. 
Yeah, yeah. they'll call so, it socialism. The the, the yeah. comments people are leaving about the DSA in Nevada and Pascal are pretty funny in the chat. Pascal, I hope you're reading these. They're pretty fucking hilarious right now. I don't have that high expectations. I'm more interested in using them than them using me. No, we know. It's just it's funny. It's jokes, goddammit. Don't take it so seriously. Smile. Uh Billy, are you are you got you have to go? Is this too late for you now? No, man, I'm, 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 I love this. This is, I've been, I've, I, I, it's, you know, I will say like when you introduce Pascal as your, uh, best friend, I got a little teary eyed. I, I, I got a little verklempt and I was like, and then you said he's your best Haitian friend. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, well, how, like how many Haitian friends do you have that, he, that he's your best Haitian friend? He's not just your best, he's not your best friend. He's your best Haitian friend. So I was like, oh, the guy got the most. I, I, I segregate the shit out of my friendships like I segregate my children. He has, he has quotas, too. Oh, well, there's racial quotas. There's racial quotas. Yeah, I mean, like, there's two Canadians on this. Like, there might have to be a sorting at some point. Right? You, you don't understand. I'm a little I can't worried. Mike on the show for, like, another two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Lowe's the jokes. Keeps the jokes. <laughs> Billy, man, I'm uh, I'm impressed that you watched a few episodes before you came on, and you said that you were finding us. And yeah, you found yeah us I wanted to know who. Yeah, I wanted to know who I was dealing with. Like, I get a lot of these requests, and and uh, you know, I was like, I was like, I I, I think I might have been a little not. Uh, I I think I was uh, I just I, I was really busy. I had things going on, and then I finally I think I I missed a. a, a, a callback or something yeah. and then i went on and watched and i watched you guys for a bit and then i was like on it i was like i am get i i love these guys uh i want to i want to i want to jam i so, so you know i felt bad and i and I'll, I'll, i know we got to head off i felt bad because um these guys have been getting on me like jason you got to send people a message the day before and there's a lot of shit i do behind the scenes that you people don't see and so i was making we've been doing a, uh, a video essay series for zero books and i was in the process of making this video essay but pascal wrote an essay and i'm making the, the the video for it and i'm putting it all together i'm narrating it and billy sends me a fucking message and he goes hey man we uh still on for tomorrow i was like fuck <laughs> yes, yes shit don't fucking i just play. forget i forget and i didn't want to i didn't didn't want to mess around with you another time, so I was like paranoid. So I was just making sure because I nah, my nah, we, we you and we did a special show earlier this morning where we uh, talked to a, a young lady that's running for a state assembly here in uh, California, and the person that she's running against, or one of the people that she's running against in the Democratic primary, is the wife of the uh, of the man who occupied the seat before he got. Uh, promoted if you will to a ter- state attorney general a lot of things got switched around as kamala harris moved up uh in the, in the vice president's seat in the state legislature as well as different people moved around right and uh she was bringing up all these things like you know a big problem we have here in california is gentrification and, and homelessness and she's bringing up the fact that the majority of people in the state legislature are property owners and they're beholden to uh, real estate lobbies. And, you know, we didn't get too deep in the weeds. She only had a little bit of time. But another thing that's happening in Los Angeles, much like it happened in 1984, is they're getting the Olympics in 2028. And whenever your state or your place gets the Olympics, as Cuba probably remembers when when uh, Vancouver got it and then Calgary got it back in the day, uh, you do a sweep of your fucking homeless encampments. You're building new facilities to make sure you can hold all these Olympians and big ass ice skating rinks. And you do this shit in the bidding process. So L.A. is like, look, we got to get these homeless people out. And, and they're trying to make it look like it's it's activists doing it. And it's actually real estate lobbies. So we, we actually have brought you up because, again, your documentary shines a light on the fact that it's not just a bad actor of april parks you don't just throw april parks in the pokey and then go job well done which is which is really kind of the sad part of your documentary that's that's the heartbreaking part of your documentary the end is that april parks gets thrown into the jail and of course you know it's not over but the da is like i told you he did everything but literally do this shit 
at the fucking press conference when they I'm, it's going to be biblical. This bitch is going to serve some time. And so that's one. Yeah, that's, nice. yeah, that's one person. The system still persists. And, I, and I'm glad that you kind of showed that at the very end, the system still persists. The movie is called The Guardians. There's a movie called The Guardian that came out in 90. It's not Billy's movie. That's about Satan. Don't watch it. It's not a very good movie. I, I, oh, Billy, your, your volume went out. Your volume went out because Satan took it out or the deep state, one of the two. Maybe it was Satan. It wasn't us. They're working together. Always have been. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should see the org chart, right? (laughs) So, yeah, Billy, see, the deep state got him. God damn it. Don't forget to announce uh, majority report tomorrow. Well, I know, but hold on. I got. I finally get to use this, Billy. This was what happened to your Wi-Fi. This is you right now. You got dial-up, Billy. <laughs> yeah, we can't hear you. You're miming right now. If you can hear us, I'm really funny. I may not. Yeah, you're miming. Uh, hold on, don't but but don't hang up, Billy. Uh, so, somebody, can you somebody write him in the chat that we're gonna go to the bonus? So if you're a patron, you know what's up. We're going to the bonus patron only section. We won't be on there that long because we did a stream earlier today. We have to do the majority report tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning for me, <sighs> I have to put up another audio only podcast at the same time. So thank you guys for watching. We'll be taking calls. Hopefully, Billy will get his audio straightened out. So if you guys have any questions about uh, him, his movie, uh, all that good shit. We're taking your calls in the bonus half. And on that note, we are...